Are you interested in a productivity hack that is proven by science? It will make you more productive and increase your life expectancy and enhance your memory and creativity. It will also make you more attractive, aid in weight loss and lower your food cravings. It reduces the risk of heart attacks, strokes and diabetes, as well as improving your mental health and overall well-being. It sounds pretty good, right? Well, you're probably wondering, what's the catch? Well, there isn't one. It's free and available to all of us. The only problem is our society is designed in a way to minimise our use of this magic hack. Your boss will praise you for not using this tactic and gurus online will lecture listeners on how they avoid trying to use this technique at all. So what is this scientifically proven productivity hack? Find out after this quick break. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct to consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. It sounds like a dream, doesn't it? One thing that you could change in your life to boost your memory, unlock your creativity, and to even make you more attractive. Well, in a way, it is a dream. See, this magic hack isn't magic at all. It's sleep. I haven't been talking about some wonder drug or new app. Instead, I've been sharing the real, scientifically-backed advantages of a full night's sleep. This isn't hearsay or old wives' tales. There are 17,000 thoroughly examined scientific reports on the true, real advantages of sleep. And yet, there's a problem. As a society, despite knowing about this wonderful remedy, in general, we neglect the benefits of sleep Our workplaces aren't designed for sleep. In fact, they are set up to disrupt it. And many of our leaders actively talk about how little sleep they need. From Thomas Edison to Margaret Thatcher to to Nikola Tesla and Benjamin Franklin, many of the world's leaders are praised for their ability to function on just four or five hours sleep. I'm working long hours, long hours, right up to 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. What time do you get up? Uh, five o'clock. Now, let's face it, some of these individuals struggle to make a single sound decision, and I personally would never follow their advice. But perhaps Trump's woeful decision-making is in part due to his lack of sleep. In today's episode, I'll detail exactly how sleep affects the mind, how it can make you more productive, how it can boost your memory, increase your creativity, and help you get a raise. I'll share the hard evidence behind sleep and showcase how not getting enough sleep can be very detrimental. For example, if you go on a diet without getting sufficient sleep, most of the weight you lose will come from lean body mass, not fat, meaning your dieting won't reduce your belly fat at all. Additionally, the shorter you sleep, the shorter your lifespan. So the old maxim of I'll sleep when I'm dead is simply untrue. Adopting a no-sleep-needed mindset can lead to shorter and lower quality life. Humans are the only species that deliberately deprive themselves of sleep, usually without any legitimate gain. 
This sleep neglect has resulted in the World Health Organization declaring a sleep loss epidemic in industrialized nations. Countries where sleep time has declined the most also experience an increase in physical diseases and mental disorders. Some scientists are now lobbying doctors to start prescribing sleep as medical advice. Being prescribed sleep isn't as dismissive as it might sound. There are 12 scientifically backed tips that can dramatically help you get a better night's sleep, and I'll share each of them at the end of the show. But before diving in, I wanted to give a shout out to the main source I used when creating today's episode. It's Dr. Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. That book, alongside his fantastic podcast, has been fundamental in helping me putting together this show. So if you want to learn more, definitely go and check out his work. So to kick off, let's talk about some of the benefits a good night's sleep provides. See, I've often assumed the benefits were mainly physical. If I get a good night's sleep, I'll feel less tired, my body will ache less, my appetite won't be so erratic. However, I've never really thought about the mental benefits. But here's the thing. Sleep appears to be not just a good way of boosting your mental capacity, it appears to be the most effective way of doing so. Let's take memory as an example. Most of us in our jobs need a solid memory. We need to effectively recall information and complete tasks accurately. We need to avoid errors and delays. With a good memory, we can work to a higher standard, solve more problems, make decisions faster. No matter if you're leading an organization or starting out as an intern, a good memory will boost your performance. Yet a good memory isn't something we're born with, it's something we can develop. It turns out that taking a nap could be the secret to boosting your memory and learning abilities. Research shows that during sleep, our brains transfer recently acquired memories to a more permanent long-term storage location, freeing up space for new information. In one study conducted by Dr. Matthew Walker, a group of healthy young adults were randomly divided into a nap group and a no-nap group. Both groups underwent an intense session of learning where they were tested again later in the day. Those who took a nap between the tests, rather than those who stayed awake, while the nap group showed a remarkable 20% improvement in their ability to memorise facts. Those who stayed awake got progressively worse at learning. Memory improves after taking a quick nap. But that's not all. Imagine participating in a memory test where you had to remember the locations of objects on a computer screen before you went to bed. Not only do you have to remember what the object is, so for example if it's a cat or a bell, but you also have to recall their location on the screen, like whether it's positioned at the bottom left or the top left of the screen. After a good night's sleep, you'll see the objects on the screen again, but this time in different positions. And some of the objects are new, while others are objects that you've seen before. Your task is to remember if you've seen the object before and where it was located on the screen. Well turns out, a good night's sleep will dramatically improve your memory. Those who slept for longer, getting seven and more hours rather than those who slept less than five, performed dramatically better at the task. But there is more. As participants were learning the objects, each object was paired with a corresponding sound. For example, the sound of a meow for a cat picture and a ding-dong for a bell. While the participants slept, one of the research assistants played some of these sounds to the participant as they slept at a low volume. That triggered the selective reactivation of individual memories and essentially helped the participants subconsciously remember them better. 
When the participants woke up the next morning, they found that they had a remarkably improved memory for the items that were reactivated during sleep using those sound cues. It sounds like something out of Inception, but there is real hard evidence of the memory-boosting effect sleep can have on us. Sleeping boosts memory, and if you can get somebody to talk to you in your sleep about what you need to remember, that'll help as well. But there's a flip side to this, which is that if you don't get enough sleep, it will dramatically impact your ability to remember. One study was conducted with airplane cabin crews who frequently fly on long-haul routes. Cabin crews were picked because their job forces them to work erratic hours up through the night, disrupting their sleep. Two alarming results have emerged with this group. First, the scientists found that the stress of time zone travel physically shrank parts of their brains, especially those relating to learning and memory. And if that's not alarming enough, their short-term memory was also significantly impaired, making them much more forgetful than people who switch time zones far less. It's not only mental capacity. Other studies on pilots, cabin crew and shift workers have uncovered even more disturbing effects, including higher rates of cancer and type 2 diabetes than the general population. Another interesting tandem to this point, yet alarming example, is the Greek siesta. See, up until fairly recently, Greeks have structured their day around a mid-afternoon nap. Usually just for a few hours, businesses would shut down and workers would get some shut-eye during the hotter hours of the day. But since globalisation has taken hold and the more typical 9-5 to working hours have been promoted in Western culture, the Greek siesta has slowly faded away. Harvard University School of Public Health researchers studied over 23,000 Greek adults aged between 20 and 83, examining the impact of abandoning regular daytime naps on cardiovascular health. The sad outcome revealed that the individuals who stopped taking siestas had a 37% higher risk of dying from heart disease over a six-year study period. That figure rose to 60% in working men. In contrast, those who maintained regular naps had a significantly lower risk of heart disease. Small communities in Greece that still practice siestas have a much higher life expectancy, with men nearly four times as likely to reach the age of 90 than equivalent American males. This might seem like correlation rather than causation, but the overwhelming health benefits behind sleep seem to back this up. Sleep boosts memory, improves your physical shape, and improves your ability to perform at physical tasks. If you're a professional athlete, painter, or manual worker, your performance is likely improved by a good night's sleep. Dr. Matthew Walker conducted a brilliant study to test this. In the study, a group of right-handed individuals learned to type a number sequence with their left hand. This isn't easy for a right-handed person to do. They would practice the skill on a keyboard for 12 minutes and take breaks throughout. This sequence of numbers on a keyboard would be something like 41214, for example, and they'd have to type that sequence as quickly as possible with their weaker left hand. Participants improved in performance as they practiced, as you might expect, but then they were tested 12 hours later with no practice in between. Half the participants stayed awake between the tasks, between the, the practice sessions, so they would do their first practice session at 9am and the second at 9pm. The other got a full night's sleep during the first practice session at 9pm, going to sleep and then waking up again at 9am and doing the second session. Those who remained awake 
showed no improvement in the task, performing the sequence at the same speed the second time round. But those who slept for a full eight hours during the night displayed a 20% improvement in speed and a 35% improvement in accuracy. Even those who showed no improvement after testing, because they did it during the day, saw a bump the following day after they had had a full night's sleep when they did their third test. Physical skills can clearly be improved by the absence of practice. It's kind of magic. Whether you're painting a portrait or trying to master a video game, a solid night's sleep will help you improve. And of course, the opposite is true. Not getting enough sleep will harm performance. Studies with athletes have found that obtaining anything less than eight hours of sleep a night, and especially less than six hours a night, dramatically reduces performance. Physical exhaustion increases by 10 to 30%, and aerobic output is significantly reduced. Similar impairments are observed in limb extension force, vertical jump height, and that's together with decreases in peak and sustained muscle strength. Even the ability of the body to cool itself during physical exertion through sweating, a critical part of peak performance, is impaired by loss of sleep. If you're trying to lift a PB weight or win your local park run, your sleep is arguably more important than that extra nighttime session at the gym or track. But here's the thing with sleep, and this is what interests me, because as a society, we don't value it very highly. Workplaces prioritise long hours and a culture of hard work. School schedules start early, making it hard for students to get adequate sleep while social events mostly go late into the night, cutting into our bedtimes. As a society, the rational thing to do would be to make time for sleep, but we take the irrational option of cutting into our bedtimes to make the most of the day. Take our view of drink driving. That is something that is widely acknowledged to be bad, not just morally bad, but legally bad. It kills and people get put into prison for breaking this law. We know and we rightly get angry with people who drink and drive. And yet there's not the same stigma for tired driving. We don't arrange to have a designated driver who's had a good night rest or a longer lion. But science says that tired driving can be just as bad as drink driving. In one, I think, shocking study, researchers in Australia took two groups of healthy adults. One group got drunk to the legal driving limit, a 0.08% blood alcohol level. The other group was sleep-deprived for a single night. They essentially pulled an all-nighter. Both groups performed a concentration test to assess performance. They couldn't actually put these groups on the road. That wouldn't be very smart, but they could, uh, they could assess their ability to concentrate and by which figure out how good of a driver and how many mistakes they would make as a driver. After being awake for 19 hours, people who were sleep-deprived were as cognitively impaired as those who were legally drunk. So if you wake up at 7am, remain awake throughout the day, then go socialising with your friends until late that evening, yet no drink or alcohol whatsoever enters your system, by the time you are driving home at 2am, you are as cognitively impaired in your ability to drive than somebody who has had a drink and is driving right at the drunk driver legal record. You can actually see how tired driving and lack of sleep literally kills people by analysing the hospital records the day after daylight savings start. 
This is what happens in countries where the clocks are moved back to accommodate for an earlier sunrise. Researchers have tabulated millions of daily hospital records on the day after daylight saving kicks in and discovered a huge spike in road traffic accidents and in heart attacks the following day. Just wake up an hour earlier than usual and it has a notable impact on fatal driving collisions. Impressively, it works both ways. When the clocks move back, we gain an hour of sleep and the opposite happens. Heart attacks fall and road accidents fall. Later on in the show, I'll share how our collective lack of sleep affects us at work, makes us less productive, less creative and stops us from getting the raise we deserve as well. But before diving into all of that, I wanted to give you one more reason to consider going to bed earlier. This is Dr. Tina Sunderland's research conducted at Stockholm University. She looked at the effects of sleep deprivation on your physical attractiveness and reproductive chances. The researcher took photographs of healthy men and women after they had had either five hours sleep or eight hours sleep. Then she took those photos to independent judges who would rate their perceived tiredness, health and attractiveness. So some had had a long night's sleep of eight hours, others had had a short night's sleep of five hours. I wouldn't have expected there to be much different. And ask yourself, you know, would you expect to see a difference in someone's attractiveness based on one night's sleep? Well, the results are quite eye-catching. The judges, who were unaware of their sleep condition, consistently rated the sleep-deprived individuals as less attractive and less healthy. This shows that sleep loss affects our perception of beauty. A beauty sleep is not a myth. There is some hard evidence behind it. All right, we've covered how sleep boosts memory, how it improves our physical performance, how a lack of sleep can lead to heart attacks and car accidents. Plus, we've heard why your Tinder picture should be taken after an eight-hour sleep. But sleep also affects your work. In fact, sleep could be the difference between whether you lie or tell the truth at work, whether you're motivated or bored, and even whether you get a pay rise or not. Find out why after this quick break. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. More than 65% of the US adult population fail to obtain the recommended seven to nine hours sleep each night during the week. Around the globe, things look no better. In the UK and Japan, just 39 and 66% respectively get enough sleep. According to the World Health Organization, one out of every two adults across developed countries, that's approximately 800 million people, will not get the necessary sleep they need in this coming week. Earlier in the episode, I covered how this lack of sleep affects our health, our minds, and even our looks, but it also affects our work. 
A study conducted with four major US companies found that lack of sleep costs companies $2,000 per employee per year. That might sound small, but add it up across every company and you'll find that inadequate sleep costs America and Japan $411 billion in America and $138 billion in Japan each year in lost productivity. Now we shouldn't blame this on employees. All too often the workplace culture leads to this. Almost every company has no policy against how late you can work. Pretty much every organisation allows Slack and emails or Microsoft Teams on our phones. We're not incentivized to switch off and many of us end up working late into the night or simply just checking our emails or our calendar before bed. But this comes at a cost. Not only does it raise your stress levels, pumping adrenaline into your body at a time when you need to relax, but staring at an LED power screen like a laptop, a tablet or a phone can dramatically reduce your ability to sleep. One of the earliest studies on how LED screens affect sleep was conducted using iPads, and in the study, researchers found that using an iPad for two hours before bed blocked the rise of melatonin by a significant 23%. Melatonin is the natural hormone that develops in the brain in response to darkness. As it builds, the desire to sleep increases. So if it drops by 23%, you'll seriously struggle to drift off. A more recent report found that the use of phones in bed was worse than first thought. During a two-week study, healthy adults were placed in a strictly regulated laboratory environment. The study was divided into two experimental arms, each lasting for five nights. In the first arm, participants were allowed to read a book on an iPad for several hours before bed, but with no other iPad usage allowed, so no email and no internet, you're just allowed to read a book on the iPad. While in the second part of the study, the participants read a book, but this time on a printed physical book. So they're reading basically the same book, but not on an iPad, just on a physical book. And they're doing it at the same time, a few hours before bed. The order of the two conditions was randomised for each participant. So some did the iPad study first, some did the physical book study, and then they would swap. The study found that reading on an iPad before bed suppressed the release of melatonin by over 50% compared to reading a printed book. The same individuals who read on an iPad experienced a delay in the rise of melatonin for up to three hours compared to their natural rhythm when they read a printed book. Reading a book before bed certainly feels like a better thing to do than scrolling through your emails or flicking through Twitter, but it will diminish your ability to get to sleep. If you do so on your iPad or your phone or your laptop, you're going to struggle to get to sleep. And this lack of sleep won't only make you unproductive, it'll also make your team, your direct reports, unproductive as well. In a really clever study, the amount of sleep managers got at a major organisation was tracked over several weeks and compared to their leadership performance in the workplace as judged by the employees on their team. The employees were not informed about their manager's sleep quality, thus eliminating any potential knowledge bias. The study found that a lower quality of sleep reported by the manager accurately predicted the poor self-control and abusive nature towards the employees the following day, as reported by the employees. So the employees were reporting that this boss was being rude and impatient, and it turns out that directly correlated with how little sleep the boss had had. And you might be thinking, okay, well, there's no surprises there. Everyone's grumpy on a, on a bad night's sleep. But there was another intriguing finding. In the days following the poor sleep by the supervisor, something interesting happened to the employees. 
even though the employees were well rested, they too became less engaged in their jobs throughout the day. This resulted in a chain reaction effect where lack of sleep in just one person in a business structure was transmitted to other employees, leading to work disengagement and reduced productivity. One stressed manager who's struggling to sleep with a a newborn at home, for example, will lead to a disengaged team and an unmotivated team, even if those employees are getting a good night's sleep. But it gets worse than this because being sleep deprived massively increases the likelihood that you might cheat or lie. Research in workplace settings has revealed that employees who sleep for six hours or less are significantly more likely to engage in deviant behaviour and lie the following day compared to those who slept six hours or more. Dr Christopher Barnes, a researcher at the Foster School of Business at Washington University, conducted pioneering research in this area and found that individuals who slept less were more inclined to create fake receipts and reimbursement claims when doing their expenses. They were also more willing to lie to get free raffle tickets in one other study. These underslept employees didn't take any responsibility for their actions either. Instead, they were more likely to blame others for their mistakes and even attempt to take credit for other people's successful work. This is awful in a workplace and in an office, of course, but it can become life-changing in other scenarios. In fact, just one night of no sleep and an innocent, well-mannered member of the general public will start to confess to crimes they haven't committed. Proof of this comes from a recent scientific study, again cited in the brilliant book, Why We Sleep. The study demonstrated that just one night of sleep deprivation will double or even quadruple the likelihood that an otherwise upstanding individual will falsely confess to something they have not done. I dread to think how many people have been falsely imprisoned due to lack of sleep or sleep-deprived testimonies. As always, though... There is a flip side to this research. Get a good night's sleep and suddenly things look a lot more rosy, especially your paycheck. Increasing your sleep time has been found to substantially increase your likelihood of a raise at work and ultimately increase the amount you are paid over your career. A study by the economists Matthew Gibson and Jeffrey Schrader revealed that workers who slept more earned more money on average. You might wonder how they discovered this. It's a pretty hard study to run, right? Well, they came up with this genius plan. They compared towns which had a similar social, educational and professional standing within the same time zone, but with different daylight hours due to their geographical locations. So, for example, Fort Bliss in Texas and Montgomery in Alabama. Both cities are in the same time zone, but with drastically different daylight hours. Workers in the western location have much more sunlight later at night and would often go to bed an hour later, on average, because they had much later sunlight than workers in the eastern location. So this was Montgomery in this case. However, both workers had to wake up at the same time. They both had the same time they had to get to work for, you know, 9am start. Consequently, the western workers had a far less sleep opportunity. Factoring out other potential factors, an hour extra of sleep significantly resulted in higher wages in the eastern locations by 4 to 5% higher wages. While this return on investment of 60 minutes of sleep might not seem substantial, it is higher than the average pay rise in the US, which is around 2.6%. So getting more sleep could potentially double the pay rise you would get without working a minute more than usual. 
And yet most of us have the exact opposite point of view. We believe that hustling late into the evening, working longer hours and pulling all-nighters are keys to economic success. A study by Cornell University surveyed hundreds of US workers and gave them a choice between either $80,000 a year working normal hours and a chance to get eight hours sleep or $140,000 a year, so twice as much, but you would have to work consistent overtimes and only get six hours of sleep each weeknight. The majority of individuals pick the second option, a higher salary and a shorter sleep. Now, I hope after you've all heard this episode that you wouldn't opt for that extra pay. You would recognise that sleep is incredibly valuable. A good night's sleep boosts your memory, improves your physical performance and even makes you more attractive. A bad night's sleep makes you drive like a drunk, encourages unethical behaviour at work and causes a drop in productivity for you and your team. So hopefully the question you're asking is, how do I get a better night's sleep? Well, let's face it, I'm not going to have all the answers for you. Instead, I would encourage you to read Dr. Matthew Walker's brilliant book or listen to his podcast, the links to both of which are in the show notes. But in the meantime, there are 12 tips worth sharing, 12 tips for a better night's sleep. Number one is stick to a sleep schedule. So set an alarm for bedtime and go to sleep at a consistent time, especially at weekends. That will dramatically improve your sleep quality on a consistent basis. Number two is to exercise for at least 30 minutes on most days, but not too late in the day, specifically not three hours before you go to bed. Point number three is avoid caffeine, nicotine and large meals or drinks late at night. Point number four is avoid alcoholic beverages before bed. The nightcap might help you get to sleep, but it dramatically reduces sleep quality. Point number five is just don't drink too many fluids before night, even water. That will help you avoid needing to wake up to use the loo during the night. And then point number six is to avoid medicines that delay or disrupt your sleep. Point number seven is don't take naps after 3 p.m. Point number eight is to relax before bed and have a bedtime ritual. So something you always typically do before bed and make sure it's not looking at your phone. Point number nine, this is a really interesting one, is to take a hot bath before bed. Increasing your body temperature in a bath will cause your body temperature to drop fairly dramatically when you get into bed. And that actually helps your body get to sleep because your body needs to drop its temperature to get to sleep. So a hot bath can kickstart this process. Point number 10 is to create a dark, cool and gadget-free bedroom. Point number 11 is to get daylight exposure during the day and then turn down lights before bedtime. And then point number 12 is if you're really struggling to get to sleep and you've been struggling for 20 minutes or more, then don't try and lie in bed. If you're awake, get up, go somewhere else in the house, do a mundane, boring task, and then go back to bed when you feel tired again. So those are your 12 points, but but definitely do some more research because there's much better points than that. But I did want to share them just in case anyone was wondering. When researching this episode, the marketer in me couldn't help but think that sleep really has a marketing problem. Despite the overwhelming evidence that sleep is incredibly beneficial to us, all too many of us don't get enough sleep. These people, on the whole, are educated, well-off, mentally sound people, and yet they ignore the evidence that sleep is good for them. But of course, it's not the only example of rational humans picking the worst irrational option. We prefer fast food. We prefer sugary drinks, full-fat lattes and microwave meals. We prefer the newsfeed over the newspaper and Facebook over actual books. The thing is, the worst option in each of these examples has a much bigger marketing and advertising budget than the alternatives. We are bombarded with messages about how fantastic, tasty and cheap fast food is, 
but you'll struggle to find an ad telling you to eat an apple. And I think the same is true for sleep. Alternatives to sleep, like late night TV, going to the pub with your friends, burning the midnight oil at work, or staying up late to watch a sporting contest. Combined, these alternatives to sleep have billion dollar marketing campaigns behind them. Very few, however, are advocating for you to get to sleep. This means that many of us have a built-in negative association with sleep. We view those who have overslept as lazy. We view those who go for an early night as boring. What's worse is that many of our leaders, from gurus on social media to the world's top politicians, publicly celebrate their ability to function on little or no sleep. The halo effect then takes hold, and we assume that if we want to reach their levels of power, fame, or income, we too need to sleep less. But the opposite is true. We need to sleep more. And sleep needs better marketing. Funnily enough, there's one example in history where sleep actually got the marketing it desperately needed, and it genuinely did change behaviour. Airlines have known for years the damaging effects that a lack of sleep can have on pilots. A mistake, 30,000 feet in the air, has a severe impact. And it didn't take long for airlines to see the causation between lack of sleep and a rise in mistakes. So the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, asked sleep scientists Dings and Rosekind to come up with a solution. Of course, the pilots can't land the plane halfway to their destination, take a sleep, fly back up again and then finish the rest of their flight. That won't work, but the pilots can take a nap, leaving their co-pilot to steer the ship for a while. The researchers reported that this would work. Naps can reduce the amount of fatal mistakes a pilot can make. So, they reported their findings to the FAA, and they suggested to the FAA what they called prophylactic naps. And they said that these prophylactic naps should be instituted as policy among pilots. Prophylactic naps. That was the suggestion that the sleep scientists made. The FAA believed the findings, but knew something that the researchers didn't. The name didn't sound very appealing. Nobody would want to take prophylactic naps. So the researchers came up with another name. They suggested calling it planned napping. The FAA didn't like this either. They said it felt too management-like. And then, in a stroke of marketing genius, the FAA suggested calling this practice power napping. They believed this was more fitting with the sort of leadership or dominant job-based positions that they knew a pilot wanted. A power nap sounded like an opportunity to gain strength, not a bout of laziness or weakness. It worked. And the term power nap is now commonplace inside and outside the cockpit. Throughout society, you'll hear people talking about the magic effects power naps have on them. Prophylactic naps wouldn't be known across the globe, but power naps are. And that is the impact of a bit of good marketing. See, this is what I think sleep needs. It needs the same treatment. Rather than calling it an early night, we should call it a nocturnal recharge. Rather than a lion, maybe it's a heavenly hibernation. And rather than a good sleep, maybe we call it a regenerative rest. It might sound silly, but so did power naps. And now that term is commonplace, changing the behaviour of pilots across the world and saving thousands from fatal air disasters. So tonight, rather than getting an early night, tuck yourself in for a bit of nighttime Nivara. Okay, folks, that is all for today. I had really good fun putting together this episode. And if you enjoyed it, um, definitely go and check 
out Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. It is well worth a read. I know today's show was a little different. There was elements of psychology and elements of how it affects businesses and marketing, but it was mainly based on sleep. And and I do think the subject is really important. So definitely go and check out that book. Now, if you're a regular listener to the podcast on your podcast player, you might not know that full video versions of this very podcast are available on YouTube. Just search for Nudge Podcast on YouTube to find them. You'll have to search Nudge Podcast, not just Nudge, to find it. And then when you do, you will get a bunch of different episodes which are well animated, put together by an editor much smarter than me, and you can follow along to the episode but have some visuals to follow along with as well. As always, please do subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to nudgepodcast.com and click newsletter in the menu to sign up. All my subscribers get early access to episodes and new behavioral science tips each week. And you get my personal email so you can send me a message if you want to. As always, I am the host and founder of Nudge Podcast, Phil Agnew. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Mastodon as well, if you want to follow me on there. And well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you again next week for another episode of Nudge. But first, I'm going to head to bed early and get some hibernation heaven. Good night.